Welcome, everyone, to the You're Still Out Golf Podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needleman. I'm joined in studio today, as always, by my good friend and self-proclaimed golf sicko, my man, Jonathan Till. JT, how we doing this evening, bud? Keith, never better. I would say that uh, I'm fresh. Uh, clearly, we missed last week because I was dealing with all sorts of things, power outage, illness, not that one, um, kid illness, school closures. I mean, what a bloodbath of a week. Although I did feel bad when I saw all the other pods got recorded, so I thought, well, maybe I could have just stepped up and somehow made it work. But nonetheless, I'm here. Yes, golf sicko. We can attribute that certainly to conditions that I'm willing to play in. We maybe talk a tiny bit about coming off the golf course just now at Twin Hills. Literally just got off the golf course. Carnage that is right and left of every single fairway. Good gravy. I mean, debris ball is a new uh, new golf term, apparently. Yeah, if you did not hit it in the fairway out at Twin, uh, then you were probably going to find yourself looking for your ball in a mass of tree limbs uh, that was along the uh, the, the fairways, uh, either side of Yeah, just the ice storm. Talked about it on the other pods last week. I mean, just uh, uh, an early ice storm. All the leaves were on the trees, and so just made it uh, uh, terrible. I think there's still a lot of people in the metro, uh, Oklahoma City metro area, that are still without power right now. But I think OG&E came out and said it was the worst power outage due to an ice or about but just in any any condition i guess uh, that they've uh, ever ever had to endure yeah i mean i um, think debris drop when when a storm is so bad that it coins new terms in life you know it was serious and, and the debris drop was in play at twin today there were a lot of balls that you know okay hit that just through the fairway it would normally be sitting here you know three yards off the cart path nope goodbye under a pile of brush so yeah Sicko, we play in all conditions, including those that were borderline biblical. But uh, great to be back. I'm ready to talk two weeks worth of golf. You can only imagine my excitement getting to talk about two weeks of golf versus one. He is pent up and ready to let it loose on our listeners this week. So before we get into all that hot golf talk, though, uh, J-Till, as always, we got to show some love to got our to. sponsor. And, of course, that's Chalk Sports Bar. Chalk is Oklahoma City's premier luxury sports bar located in Chisholm Creek Plaza at 1324 West Memorial Road. Follow Ben Chad and the whole Chalk team on the web at chalkokc.com or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at chalkokc. Make Chalk your 19th hole and catch all the weekend action from the PGA Tour events, Houston Open this week, uh, on their dozens of big screens while enjoying some great food and a tremendous atmosphere. Always the favorite, that's Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. And so, JT, I guess we have to catch up, you know, given that it's been a couple of weeks. We had, we had a couple of tournaments to recap. The Zozo Championship from two weeks ago, and then the Bermuda Championship this past weekend uh, on the PGA Tour. Uh, obviously, Patrick Cantlay uh, wins a couple weeks ago at the Zozo. Uh, your pick of Justin Thomas was oh so close. Uh, and then Brian, Brian Gay wins this weekend down in Bermuda. And some windy conditions, I think, down in Bermuda. But uh, uh, thoughts, recaps, uh, just kind of kind of take us through uh, your thoughts from the uh, last two weeks of PGA Tour events um, um, before we, we kind of move on to what's coming up this past or this next weekend. But. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny in this, this day and age of the uh, you know 24-hour news cycle and Twitter's kind of like you know, almost five-minute news cycle to talk about something that happened uh, two weekends ago feels like it is an eternity. But yeah, I think the 24-hour news cycle and Twitter is uh, they're they're busy with something else today, right? So we're recording this on Tuesday, November third. Yeah, 3rd, Tuesday. Right? So, it's Taco yeah. Tuesday, yeah. so they're yeah, really taco busy with tacos, Tuesday. and we understand Absolutely. that. Yeah. So uh, maybe we can recap uh, some golfer folks who may have 
really been missing us. But I, yeah, definitely want to talk almost more about the Sozo than Bermuda. Um, you know, nothing against the fine folks out in Bermuda. It looks lovely. I would love to uh, to to travel there, but. The Zozo, from a competitive standpoint, definitely had a lot more names and a lot more action. And uh, for those of you who follow me on Twitter, I have already um, noted that a formal apology is necessary on behalf of me uh, via, I guess on behalf of Justin Thomas. Yeah, proxy of Justin Thomas. Jonathan Teal. The JTs took it on the chin two weekends ago. We were in total control. I keep saying we... JT is my guy. It was, I predicted a multiple shot win. We were on our way, and what a yuck finish that our guy had. Just, I mean, frankly, kicked it away, hitting a lot of squirrely ones. Uh, probably that was more the story than even Cantley winning, even though Cantley really played nails in that back nine. But, you know, I was getting a little, I'm getting a little queasy for JT. I don't know what's happening. I feel like the last four or five tournaments that he's been in contention. He's been either tied for the lead or right there. He's kicked it away. Does not bode well for me picking him for the Masters, which, you know, spoiler alert, but... He's listening. I'm sure he's going to hear I, this. I know he yeah. is. I mean, after I after I put him on blast your on game Twitter, up, right? yeah. uh, he was in cruise control early, and I just don't know what the deal is because they're on that back nine. He had every opportunity to close the door and just put it put himself in some really bad spots. You know, had some unreal short game recovery shots. I mean, that was a lot of fun to watch, but I think that, uh, you know, for me, he's kind of approached Tiger status just for me personally. I want it so bad for him. So on that back nine, I'm living and dying with every single shot, and he just he just could not get it done. You know, stuff went in there on 18 and made a birdie when it was, frankly, like he didn't, didn't matter. But, uh, yeah, tough scene for JT, you know, I think the last three press conferences where he's lost tournaments like this, he said the same thing. We learned a lot, and you know it's good to put ourselves in this position. When's it going to happen? It's got to maybe all this is good karma, and we go to the Masters, and that's the one that he takes down. But God, I was disappointed. You can tell, you know, it's two weeks later, and I'm still at this level of disappointment. You can see how much I am a ride or die JT guy. But formal apology. Will not happen again. We're going to get our stuff together, and we're going to be there when it comes time to, to roll them down Magnolia Lane. Yeah, I think on Friday afternoon, Friday evening, I guess, uh, Jay Till, whenever I was in Chicago, you were sending me some text messages after Justin Thomas opened up with a 65-65, uh, talking a little smack Got there. a yeah, little yeah, bit ahead yeah. of ourselves, there's no doubt. I can own that. <laughs> we got out ahead of, got out of our skis. You know, we, were, uh, we went on the bunny slopes. We were feeling good. We decided to go straight to the Black Diamond, and we, we crashed and burned. And crashed we, we and had burned. to live with that. We have to lick our wounds, and we have to be ready for Augusta. We're pointing towards Augusta. Yeah, and let's not uh, shed too many tears for our guy Justin Thomas because he did uh, pocket seven hundred grand uh, for a T two there at the Zozo, uh, along with John John Rahm, and then obviously you know Patrick Cantlay. Hey, good for him, right? He you wins know, let me let me throw something at you. I'm going so. off script, which I love to do. I know you're love a script it. guy, but. Yes. You know, every week we do talk about man. He pocketed seven seven hundred fifty thousand, or you know, one point two million for the win. Do you think that because these guys have that mega cushion, that you know, I don't want to say do they want it as much? Because I maybe that's that you could say that throughout all sports, but I mean, I feel like in golf, it's just okay. Yeah, do I 
you really have to be self motivated. Seems like I'm Tony Robbins over here, but I'll you go think with there's it, something man. to that? Like, is it back in the day you didn't make this kind of purse? And in golf, I mean, it's probably the biggest example of this mega, mega lucrative change over the last 25 years because of the Tiger effect. What do you think? Do you think that plays into guys like not grinding as hard and really, you know, guys like JT, you know, guys like, um, you know, even somebody like, I mean, Cantlay who won a bad example since he did win, but he's kind of been, he only has three victories. You know, you come out and you have a decent season and you're set for life. One season, you're set for life. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the competitive nature of these guys, you don't get to this level uh, if you're not uh, super competitive. And and so I, I think they still want to win. Um, so so, But now, having said that, the, the parachute of finishing in second in one of these PGA Tour events is a whole hell of a lot nicer uh, than what it was during uh, Arnie Palmer and uh, Jack Nicklaus's era. So, uh, but, but no, I, I, well, I don't second, think... I mean, like... We're looking at the screen right now. A T twenty six netted, you know, sixty grand. Yeah, that was yeah. a season. Yeah, some guys absolutely. Back, uh, yeah, the, the purse. 60s. The purse yeah. was eight million dollars for the Zozo. So, so not, sorry, uh, derail. I just, you know, I mean, I'm, no, it's valid. I'm curious it's how valid. that works. You know, you know, I I, uh, I would love to get into that position where I could just make the cut and finish tied for fifty fourth every single week and and pocket forty grand or whatever it is. Right. So it would it would be a uh, a fun place to be uh, at least experience it. Right. So I, I guess. The uh, well, the Zozo is kind of a bad example because there wasn't any cuts there. But uh, they got in the last place. Michael Thompson uh, made thirteen grand, which is still not bad for Didn't a break uh, or uh, any day of the week. Yeah, weekend of uh, of golf, four days of golf, and you make a uh, thirteen grand. Not too shabby. Uh, but uh, you get to spend it out in uh, Thousand Oaks, California. So there's worse places to spend four days playing golf. But you know, let's talk briefly, Jay Till, about the Bermuda Championship this past weekend. Brian Gay wins it in a playoff. Uh, against uh, Hotelier, Wyndham Clark, um, but uh, 15 Wyndham under. Wyndham Rewards. Yeah, <laughs> Wyndham Rewards. Uh, Brian Gay, probably best known now for his attire on the golf course, right? He's a, he's, he's a peacock, Brian man. So he's a peacock. Gay. Yeah. I mean, somebody who's certainly at this point better known for his family getting into Twitter spats on his behalf. Uh, I'll never forget. I think it was last season, the 2019, 2020 season. God, I can't keep up with this whole like wraparound and what season's what. But um, there's a there's a great follow out there for you guys that are into Twitter and Instagram uh, called Club Club Pro Guy CPG. He puts out these <laughs> great memes and different things. It's not always PG either. It's not so. always PG. So <laughs> very young. put the kids to bed early if you're gonna. Take a look at some NSFF, club pro stuff. Yeah, or but FW. Yeah. He had a great, uh, he had a great tweet where he had this like PGA Tour looking infographic, and um, or Cameron Champ, who's a long hitter, uh, said something like, "Nobody wants to see Brian Gay hit at 282 down the middle anymore." And it was obviously a, it was to folks who follow him, it, like obviously a parody. But uh, his uh, Brian Gay's family got all up in arms, and you know how dare you talk about our guy that way? I did not know that he was as old as he is forty eight years old. Well, the soul patch uh, would would kind of belie Maybe, his like, age. He, I yeah. mean, he's a young looking guy. He dr- that's the thing. He talking about his attire. He dresses like a young looking guy, and so I thought he was younger than he is. But God, kudos to Brian Gay. He does not hit it very far by P- by honestly, yeah, definitely by PGA Tour standards. But even by weekend golfer standards, I mean, we play with a lot of guys that'll poke it out there two eighty two ninety. 
Ryan Gay is about right there. And for him to go out and work it around and win a PGA Tour event at 47, 48 years old, the distance that he hits it, I mean, got to give it up to him. 64 on Sunday, just closing the door on these guys, uh, winning in a playoff over Wyndham Clark. I mean, much like we talked about with Stewie Sink a few weeks ago, or I guess it's been a while, not a couple months ago at the Safeway, for now he's kind of written his path to the Champions Tour. He can play out on tour for a couple more years. No muss, no fuss. Make a little bit of money. Go right on the Champions Tour and have a great, basically, retirement gig, if you will. So, yeah, kudos Brian Gay got nothing but love for somebody who's a short knocker, just like me. Sure, yeah, Betsy. You and I, we can identify with that, right? We don't poke it out there real far. So uh, on our, our weekend warrior uh, trips, although we played on Tuesday today, this afternoon. But, um, yeah, good for that him. said he hits it past yeah. us by like 40 yards. <laughs> probably, probably so. Yeah, two, 250, 260 is pretty good for us. So, uh, But you, you mentioned there the Champions Tour, Jay Till, and we got to move on to the Champions Tour and talk uh, about the Timber Tech Championship this past weekend. Absolute great Darren Clark, right? There. The, uh, the former uh, British Open champion, right? Open champion there. Open champion in um, 2011. Yeah, wins wins the Timber Tech uh, at Boca Raton, Florida. Lovely retirement community there. Uh, but the early news in this one was John Daly comes out of the gates hot, fires a 64, and then really just kind of uh, <laughs> struggles to keep it together from that point forward. But fun to see him at the top of the leaderboard on the opening day. Uh, shoots 73-71 after that. And uh, finishes in a tie for 26 and uh, pockets 15 grand. So so good for him. But uh, Darren Clark, the winner there. Bernhard Longer, Jim Furyk tie for second at uh, 16 under. Uh, but your thoughts on the uh, the old guys uh, knocking it around down in Boca, Boca Raton, Florida this past weekend, bud? Well, I think that Darren Clark is just a guy that uh, many of us would say would love to have a cold Guinness with. I don't know. What do they drink? He's a, he's actually, is he Northern Irish? He's Ireland? Northern Irish. Yeah, yeah, Northern Irish. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, yeah, that's probably a Guinness. Probably yeah, a Guinness they drink guy. Guinness there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, guy that, uh, you know, sadly, you know, well, it's probably 10 years ago, lost his wife tragically, and it really was a ra- rallying cry for the Ryder Cup. In that year, and then comes back out, you know, a very sentimental pick, and um, good, good on him for winning the Open Championship somewhat unexpectedly. So it's we've talked about it most weeks on this pod. It's fun to see some of these guys that we have a lot of name recognition with out there being relevant, if you will, again on the Champions Tour. Darren Clark would be really high on that list because he's such a fun guy to listen to, and I'm sure uh, be around and hang out with. Um, after after the round, having a having a cold pint, but then you know e- equally, if not more impressive, I mean Bernhard Longer. I mean this guy, he's got to be getting close to seventy years old. He's up there, man. He's up there. I mean, he certainly looks like he's seventy years old, but just a just total killer out there, and uh, just keep it on the list. Jim Furyk, we've talked about him a lot this summer because he's a championship rookie. Our guy Miguel Angel. Interesting, most interesting man in the world. I mean, he and Darren Clark probably, I guarantee you, on Sunday night after that win, took it deep. Uh, but, yeah, just you code on the list. A lot of guys that are fun to root for and are fun to uh, to watch have some success and continue their careers. Again, I, I call it the retirement gig because you know, they're out there you know, kind of hamming it up and playing great golf, but ultimately not really caring a whole lot about uh, what's going on. So good, good on them and good to see Darren Clark. In the victory circle, we've had a lot of good, I think a lot of good feel-good winners, I think, on the Champions Tour 
the last couple months, and uh, hopefully that continues and give us something fun to talk about as we get into the winter months. Yeah, fun from a nostalgic standpoint to see that those names uh, of those guys at the top of a leaderboard again is, is is really enjoyable. A lot of fun to see that. And again, kudos uh, to Darren Clark. Again, Bernhard Longer was actually the defending champion, so just missed it by a stroke and a repeat uh, from the German there, but uh, seems to be a good dude as well. So I've actually uh, met him in person at a couple of uh, speaking events in the past over the last few years and stuff. And so, yeah, seems to be a really good dude. Uh, but uh, um, Darren Clark, your winner. And again, uh, John Daly, again, fun to see him at the top of the leaderboard for one day, but uh, couldn't keep it together. And again, uh, best wishes and continued um, uh, hopefully recovery. I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, obviously a bladder cancer and some of the things that he's dealing with right now, amongst uh, other things that uh, John Daly's had to deal with over his uh, uh, career uh, from a golf standpoint. But I uh, hope he gets back on the uh, the right path and uh, certainly uh, kept it together there for one day uh, out on the Champions Tour. But, you know, talking talking about the ladies, JT, obviously no tournament this past week. Uh, given that uh, COVID and some other things have been canceled there and, uh, you know, some of those financial issues are, are hitting the LPG, LPGA Tour maybe a little harder than the PGA Tour. But uh, American Ally McDonald won a couple weeks ago at the LPGA Drive-On Championship uh, in Greensboro, Georgia. I think it was her birthday. I think it was part of the story there. Oh, yeah. So so kudos to her. 16 under, holds off uh, against uh, Danielle King um, and, uh, and, and wins it by one stroke at minus 16. But uh, thoughts on the ladies down in Georgia a couple weeks ago, bud? Well, I think before we get into the results, which, yeah, cool for somebody to win on their birthday out on a professional golf tour, but uh, the, all the, there's actually been multiple quote-unquote drive-on events um, since the PG, uh, LPGA has restarted, and those have been sponsored by the LPGA Tour to give these ladies playing opportunities because obviously with COVID, folks don't remember that, you know, they had actually been knocked out of playing for a several months before the PGA Tour went on hiatus because they played their early spring schedule in Asia. And so that Asia swing from late January through March or April was already, you know, canned before it, things got you know crazy here in the United States. And so they had been without playing opportunities for, for a couple months before the, uh, before the men. And so good on the PGA LPGA tour to create these drive on uh, uh, events. I believe this is the third one that they've had. This one was at a very kind of cool place uh, that you see a lot, honestly, in like golf magazine and, Golf Digest, Reynolds Lake, Oconee, um, out in Georgia. Uh, looks really cool in terms of a kind of a residential, um, seems like a lot of folks' second home type of property. And Alan McDonald, obviously the story winning on her birthday. But to me, like Danielle Kang, she, gosh, she played so well in the back nine. I want to say she maybe eagled 18 to uh, – to get to 15 under and put some real heat on Alan McDonald. He ended up winning at 16 under. But then I also think that somebody, someone that folks need to keep an eye on, Bianca, and I know you're Mr. Pronunci- you're Mr. Pronunciation. You may have to help me with this yep. one. Pagdanganan. Oh, thank you very much. We'll just call her Bianca P for the pod mm-hmm. purposes, at least on this mm-hmm. side of the microphone. Pagdanganan. Uh, Watch out for her. She is being called the LPGA version of Bryson, the way she is banging it out there. I mean, she's she's trying to become the first LPGA Tour player to average 300 yards off the tee for a season. That's like her stated goal, which is kind of interesting. 
She was just a couple shots back uh, at 14 under par. They had a really good U.S. Open. Has been playing some really good golf. I know she was, uh, I want to say, in the top five at the uh, Aronimic event that they had, the uh, women's LPGA. So always like to give the ladies some love. And, uh, you know, we continue to point towards that U.S. Women's Open that's going to be down at Champions Golf Club in Houston in December. Certainly going to fill the calendar uh, for golfers um, come these uh, these sparse winter months, kind of like the President's Cup did last December down in Australia. But, uh, yeah, another fun event. And uh, kudos to Allie McDonald on not only winning, but, you know, a got to be a lot of pressure on your birthday. There's a, feeling good, good karma. It's like, God, I can't blow this. What a shitty night that would be. But uh, she got it done and beat our girl, Danielle Kang. Uh, I will say, got to still feel bad for my girl, Nellie Nelly Corda. She's still out with that injury. So, uh, got to get her back because she's our, she's, our, she's our hitter, man. We're looking to get her back for the, uh, the U.S. Open. And uh, hopefully she'll provide us a little bit of intrigue as we go down to Houston here in uh, almost you know, a little over a month. Yeah, and we'll talk about Houston and golf uh, here in a moment uh, coming up with the uh, the Houston Open coming up. But before we get to that, JT, we got to talk. You know, we show a lot of love uh, to the college golf here in the state of Oklahoma because, I mean, rightfully so because we're both so good, right? So, I mean, we we being Oklahoma and uh, University of Oklahoma yes, and Oklahoma absolutely. State, uh, a big event last week um, down uh, at the uh, the TPC East Lake, uh, the East Lake Cup. Uh, our Sooners were playing in that tournament, uh, the uh, the men's team there, uh, playing um, in the, I, I guess the first day, what, Sunday was individual stroke play, then Monday, uh, Tuesday. Yeah, it was, was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Okay, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday that's right. was stroke play yep. to determine, an indiv- to determine two things, an individual champion for the event, and then also, I guess you would call it seeding mm-hmm. for the right. four-team match play brackets on both the men's and the women's side of the tournament. Okay, and so we had OU, University of Oklahoma, Pepperdine, Texas, and Texas Tech were the four men's teams Correct. in it. And then on the ladies' side, we had Ole Miss, South Carolina, Florida, and Texas, I believe, Correct. right? So, okay. And so let's let's start with the guys on that front. Uh, OU against Texas in match play starting off, and OU kind of has a – you know, a big come from behind victory, if you want to call it that. From you, you look at the back back nine, at least the last nine holes of the tournament, uh, to win that one three and two to to get to the finals to play against Pepperdine, uh, and then the uh, the Pepperdine the waves they just kick OU's butt <laughs> in the finals. Unfortunately, I think it was a four one if I'm not mistaken. There, uh, OU only winning one match in that one, but really kind of a fun tournament, right? So uh, to to kind of follow on that front, Ole Miss. Uh, over South Carolina, I believe, in the finals on the ladies' ladies side. side. Uh, And so Ole Miss, I think the Ole Miss uh, uh, women's golf program is pretty salty uh, uh, from from what I I hear uh, and what I've been able to follow at least. But um, your thoughts on the East Lake Cup. Again, OU gets to the finals, uh, uh, falls uh, just short, uh, maybe quite bit short against Pepperdine, but uh, a good showing at least. Uh, they beat Texas, right? And so any win over Texas is good for us, right? Yeah, I think starting on the with the individual side of things, it was, I mean, we routed the whole field. Uh, I say the whole field. It's only four teams. And, yeah, Monday, the first day, yeah. yeah. And for those who aren't as aren't familiar with the East Lake Cup, which uh, is probably most of our listeners because this is a pretty deep hole of golf that we're going down, the East Lake Cup is determined from the top four finishers on both the women's and men's side of things from the previous year's uh, golf week rankings, right? So 
going back to the 2020 spring season, which was cut short because of COVID. Uh, the top four teams from those rankings make it to the East Lake uh, Cup the following fall. But yeah, in terms of OU's men's team, I want to say that uh, you take you have five golfers, and we finished ten under stroke play that first day. Uh, with the next closest, I want to say maybe being like even par. So we we definitely uh, played really well, including the individual champion Patrick Welch. Uh, very cool story, a guy who was somewhat lightly recruited. For those of you who know nothing about uh, him, he actually holds the club cross-handed on even his full swing. Obviously, a lot of golfers will do a kind of a left-hand low type of thing when they're putting. Putting, yep. Yeah, yeah. Through the bag, Patrick Welch goes left-hand low. It's very interesting to watch. Still just still kills the ball, great short game. But uh, really kind of a cool, sentimental win for him. His father actually passed away just a couple of months ago, very unexpectedly. I believe he had a kind of a cardiac arrest situation. And so great to see him get, uh, get the victory. This is, a, this is a really big tournament for these folks. And in a COVID year where obviously a lot of things were scratched, they didn't even get to play the NCAA tournament back in the spring. I'm sure he was uh, kind of beside himself with joy getting to – to be the medalist uh, for this event uh, in such a, a turbulent year for him personally. Got to give a shout-out to our, our big man from Weatherford, Mr. Quade Cummins. Uh, he really played great the whole the whole event. Uh, came up a little bit short in medal play. Uh, honestly, both days that I watched a lot of his golf, he, he did not play 18 very well either day. Uh, came up a shot short. Great as, mustache, though. Great stash. Great mustache, yeah. um, which makes me a little sad uh, for those of you who are familiar with uh, my personal life, the must, my mustache, which has been prevalent for the last month, had to go, unfortunately. Yeah, but, some of your, uh, your, your tweets in October, you had a great stash going. Your tweets in November, man, it's going to be a little bit sad not seeing it. It's going to be a little sad, which a lot yeah. of people will be like, what are you doing? Like, November is like the whole facial hair month. What, what's what's your story? Because, you know, you just shaved it off. But neither here nor there. Got to give it up to our Sooners who, uh, yeah, took down Texas and then just just couldn't get it. I probably Probably ran out of gas, honestly, there against Pepperdine. And Pepperdine's a great, great golf school. Why wouldn't she be if you're uh, living in Malibu? Uh, great weather. Uh, but I think college golf is just so much fun to watch because, you know, talk about the opposite of what we just got done talking about with, you know, I finished second and I get 750 grand. You finish second here and you're burning. Right? You're stinging. You're pissed. And I think that college golf is something that most folks would probably be more into if they would just give it a chance. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch. And this this was a really neat tournament because, again, the first day was stroke play, and then you have match play uh, kind of heading up right. after that. And so kind of a fun, you know, it reminds me of Slump Buster-esque, right? So we have kind of different different days, different formats, different uh, uh, ways to kind of have the scoring, and uh, it kind of makes for a fun yeah, three days of watch. The, yeah. uh, that mirrors the NCAA tournament uh, in the spring. You know, unlike maybe the men's basketball tournament where you're, you got 68 teams and you're just – playing individual matchups you have a lot of teams that qualify for the ncaa tournament in golf and so you've got to have some way to kind of cull that down and so same thing in the spring they play i want to say two maybe even three days i think it's two days of stroke play to determine the top eight in the spring and then they play it off in very much bracket style um five on five each day and so this is just a little taste uh, to get you going for uh, what 
is going to come uh, COVID willing. Uh, Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed. Again, well, congrats to Pepperdine men. Congrats to the Ole Miss women. Again, uh, kudos to the OU uh, men's team as well. They had a good showing there, made it to the finals, and then uh, just kind of ran out of gas and come up short against Pepperdine. And Pepperdine's got a good program, so they, they've got some good golfers on that uh, that squad there. So, well, well, JTL, we've talked about everyone else's golf. <laughs> Let, let's talk a little bit about you and I's golf, right? So uh, you headed out to northwest Oklahoma uh, last week, week I guess week before last, right? So when uh, Sands or before the uh, the great ice storm of 2020, and spent a little time uh, at uh, Boiling Springs State Park up in Woodward. Uh, I know you're super excited about this golf course, super passionate about it, uh, loved every moment of it, man. But uh, you got to tell our listeners about all the good stuff that uh, that Woodward Woodward has to offer, and and in particular Boiling Springs uh, Golf Course up there, bud. Well, in, in the prep for what should have been or would have been last week's pod, I specifically wrote down, I may not be able to go back to regular golf is how much of an impact Boiling's, my visit to Boiling Springs had on me. I had known about this course for quite a long time. Uh, our friend of the pod, Mr. Sean Lambert, in his uh, Landman Travels, the better part of 10 years ago, had made his way up to northwest Northwest Oklahoma, probably visiting the courthouse in Woodward or Oh, yeah, or Woodward, uh, Alfalfa County, uh, Woods County, yeah, and, all of that neck of woods. Yeah. you know, yeah. had been texting me saying, oh, my gosh, you're not, you wouldn't believe this place. I, I spent the night in Woodward, got up, played golf at this golf course, Boiling Springs. And, uh, you know, Sean, uh, unlike most of society these days, is not prone to hyperbole. So when Sean says, this is awesome, Got to check this out. Can't believe this. This is the best ever. I actually do take him up on it. Boiling Springs happens to be about two and a half hours away from Oklahoma City, so it's not a place you're just going to swing by and check out. And so 10 years, I think literally almost 10 years later, I see some pictures courtesy of our folks at uh, Red Dirt Golf Collective who had retweeted the superintendent's uh, drone shots of some work they'd done to clear out a bunch of old cedar trees and really kind of expose the property. And just on pictures alone, I was blown away. And to see a picture on Twitter and be, and think, I got to get there and I got to get there quick, uh, kind of shows you uh, just what visually it looks like. But it would it did not disappoint. We went out two Saturdays ago, got up early. Uh, that was the first uh, weekend that we had some pretty cold temperatures. I think when we were originally going to go off about 9, leave here about 6, go off about 9, 9.30, and uh, it was supposed to be 29 degrees at 9 o'clock. So we kicked back our tee time a couple hours. I think it was still about 40 when we teed off. But I was completely floored by the, the bunkering out there, the undulations in the greens, and... You know, not everybody's as kind of deep in the, I guess, golf course wormholes as I am. But if I think that, that's a fair statement, if yeah. you have ever kind of seen golf in Australia, where you see kind of this sand belt and this, there's a lot of uh, kind of it's kind of scrubby looking, but it's very um, interesting and unique to the eye. I haven't been to Australia, but I've watched a ton of stuff on it unequivocally that is what I would compare it to how you would 
You just don't see these kind of waste areas that are complete sand. I know a lot of folks in Oklahoma are pretty familiar with, uh, I think it's called Little Sahara, right? Oh, yeah. Yep, that's out folks there. Folks mm-hmm. kind of dune bugging and that kind of stuff in the sand dunes. This course is, is right near there. So imagine that kind of terrain, that kind of soil with a golf course routed through it. I mean, the way that the ball, it you know, it lets moisture really get into the ground. And so you have kind of lush conditions, but the turf is still firm. And so you got great runouts. You have great imagination around the greens. You have huge slopes that you have to think about. So many times you were able to hit the ball kind of past the hole and it would roll back down towards the hole. Just, I think the most fun that you can have is when you play the ball on the ground. And that is what Boiling Springs has in spades. I, I was blown away so much so that I'm calling it now. We're taking Slump Buster 2021. Official announcement, people. Official Breaking announcement. news. Breaking news. Slump Buster 2021 is going to Boiling Springs. Our man, the superintendent, Jeff Wagner, doesn't know that yet, but we're descending well, on we're that coming. place. Uh, we're coming. Yeah. Uh, like It's going to be Lord of the Flies out there. We're going to be taking that place over. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be, uh, you know, RVs. I, I think we've been talking about it. We're, we're a bunch of RVs, all kinds of crazy shit's going to happen out there. We're, we're heading northwest uh, for 2021. Uh, so go ahead and mark it down. Slump Buster Cup 2021, Boiling Springs, Woodward, uh, Oklahoma. Looking forward to that. So, I, I mean, your, your, your passion about it, J-Till, has me excited. I, I've never played it. Uh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. I went out to another state park, you know, obviously uh, Roman knows, about probably halfway right between Oklahoma City and, and Woodward. So I got halfway there, uh, but uh, really looking forward to that. And uh, I'll probably have to get out there and play and a couple practice rounds I think a lot more people have beforehand. been to Romano's. And yeah. so yeah. To, to give a little context, as as sometimes unplayable as Romano's seems, Boiling Springs is playable, right? Wide corridors, you get in the fairway, and then you get to have the fun of how do you negotiate the approach shots to these greens, blowout bunkers, just so cool, Keith, so cool. Well, well, fantastic. Look, looking forward to that. And again, from a, a local golf standpoint, uh, we talked about, we just came off the course at Twin Hills uh, earlier this afternoon, you know, uh, looking looking forward and, and wishing the best for all the, the local golf courses Absolutely. with this ice storm, ice storm that came through. My goodness. I mean, you know, I think Twin is probably a microcosm of most of the uh, Metro golf courses as to what they're experiencing right now. Just, you know, seeing some of these old trees that have, that have been there for a hundred years, probably right on the property, if not, lo- you know, if not yeah. longer. Man, just seeing all the tree limbs kind of breaking off and shearing at the top. It, it sucks, man. It, it, it just sucks. kind of sucks to it's see it. It's sad. So. And I, you know, the, the whole like uh, thoughts and prayers thing is way overblown. Uh, people just say that as something to say. But genuinely, like good vibes sent to those folks. It's going to be a lot of work. A lot of work. Whatever yeah. you want to call it, just know that if, if you happen to be listening to this and you work on a golf course or you have some. Uh, hand to play and I mean even even outside of golf courses just the linemen working on electricity and outages getting that all back up man it, it, it was really tough and yeah we got to see that firsthand at Twin Hills today there is a as you know that happened in what two days it's going to yeah, take the Tuesday, four Wednesday, or five yeah. months yeah. to get all of that cleaned up taken care of and back to 100% uh, safety and so just Really, genuinely, thoughts are with those those folks that are doing that, and we appreciate all the work that you're putting in to get things back to uh, to good condition for us to enjoy, and, and frankly, just from a safety perspective, I would say. 
Yeah, absolutely. So no, we uh, no no one loves you more than Jay Till and I. So we're rooting for you guys, and uh, we'll be thinking about you uh, as you go through the uh, the days and weeks, and yeah, probably a couple months to be honest with you at the at the very earliest uh, to get all that mess cleaned up across all the Metro golf courses. So uh, looking forward to the spring to where hopefully uh, things are kind of somewhat back to normal on that front on so many so many different levels, Jay Till, not just golf, but uh, yeah. so so many different levels, but. Uh, the main topic of this week's podcast, JT, as we kind of move forward here, we're two weeks away from the Masters. Yeah, if you, you just you just have to whisper it, you know, yeah. we're, we're we're so close. We are so close, yeah. and some might say, "Yeah, we're we're two weeks out. Can't you know, shouldn't this wait?" Like I said a couple weeks ago, I could do fifty-two weeks a year on the Masters. So two weeks, we are in striking distance. We are ready to talk about it. We are going to whet your appetite for Augusta National, folks. Let's do this, Keith. Let's talk some Masters. So I would say that the topics that we're going to talk about this evening, J.T., on this podcast for the next 30, 40 minutes, uh, they would be appetizers. Oh, Let's yeah. Say we're, that. Just, we're, we're going to save meat and potatoes for appetite. next week, right? So you know, This is the, this yeah, is the coconut yeah. shrimp. Absolutely. Right? So maybe maybe a little, little palate cleanser at some point. So so we're going to we're gonna ease into it here. Yeah, don't stuff yourself, um, folks. No, Wait no, no. The main plenty, plenty more to come next week. Uh, all kinds of fun stuff on, on the You're Still Out Golf podcast uh, during Masters week. And so we'll, we'll, we'll allude to that. Well, there'll be some tweets and some Instagram posts and all kinds of fun stuff that's going to come out in the, uh, the next few days on that front. But I guess we have to start with the defending champ, Jay Till. And we got to start with the big cat. He hasn't looked so hot whenever we've seen him on the golf course here uh, over the last uh, month, I would say. What's wrong with El Tigre? And can he get it fixed in the next... 13 days, right? No, not even that, right? So the next 10 days, give or take. Um, your thoughts on that? No one loves the big cat more than you. Uh, how, how does he get it fixed before next week, bud? Well, in a word, the answer to the question, what's wrong with Tiger, is everything. He is not driving it well. His iron game, which, frankly, up until... I guess through the um, shutdown, right? So until we shut down for COVID, if you were to say Tiger Woods is still the best iron player in the world, nobody would argue. That's fallen off. His putting has fallen off. Physically, he doesn't look as strong. Mentally, he seems to be out of it. So in a word, what's wrong with Tiger? Everything. I think that to the question of can he get it fixed before Augusta, um, man, I I don't think he can. And I don't think he'll contend at Augusta. I think that while that's a place that, you know, he came off of, over, over the years he's come off of all sorts of crazy layoffs, obviously one of those self-inflicted with his uh, big kind of hiatus and kind of going into – Addiction uh, treatment, uh, there was injuries that kind of derailed him a lot of times where he came back and, and then played pretty well. A couple of mem- memorable ones is you know being, I think, finished T4 two years in a row after not playing three or four months leading into the Masters. This particular year, my personal opinion, you know, maybe I'm hedging a little bit emotionally and emotional that, hedge, if I yeah. say that he's not going to be there that he will but you know if, if you think about 
And people might say, well, you know, look at look at 2019. He came out and he won the thing. Well, if you look in the six-ish, maybe eight months before that, Open Championship 2018, I think he finished sixth. PGA Championship in August, he finished second. I think he finished top five at his event in the Bahamas. He comes out, I think he made the semifinals of the match play the couple weeks before the Masters. So he was in form going into 2019. He hasn't played much over the past six months. He, when he has, he hasn't played well. I don't think he can get it fixed, and I think that he will come out. He'll make the cut. Tiger at Augusta, unless, unless, unless he's physically not right, Tiger at Augusta is good for making the cut for the next, you know, at least five or five or six years just by rolling out of bed. He knows the place so well. I think I haven't looked at the forecast, but I can only guess that it's going to be a little bit cooler than it would be for an April Masters. So that's going to affect him. We all know that Tiger takes a while to get activated these days. Got to get the glutes activated. Got to get the back activated. Oh, it feels like me getting out of bed in the morning, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I... What's wrong with him? Everything. Can he get it fixed? I'm going to say no, as much as that pains me to say. Yeah, asking a lot. Uh, again, we saw him a couple weeks ago at the Zozo. Uh, finished one under, tied for 72nd. Uh, really, the opening round, 76, kind of you know, put him out of contention. Came back the next day, shot a 66, and was like, well, okay, here we go. Uh, but then just kind of uh, around even par uh, on Saturday and Sunday, uh, again, you know, finished a tie for 70, 72nd, but there were only 77 golfers in that field. Again, no no cutout, the Zozo. So not a vintage Tiger performance, despite the fact he was a defending champ, uh, but um, has, has kind of gone into uh, Tiger mode, so to speak, in, in preparation uh, for the Masters uh, next week. And so, yeah, looking forward to seeing him out there uh, regardless. And, oh, for uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong, Tiger at Augusta, I mean, I don't know what else. I don't know. I, I should have come up with an analogy before the podcast to talk about like two things together and how classic they are, a comparison for what it's like to see Tiger at Augusta. I mean, it's like the you know Mona Lisa at the Louvre. Like you go there to see it. You go to the yeah, Masters. It's the Louvre, it's French. Oh, so. Louvre. Excuse yeah. me, Louvre. I, I, sometimes my uh, my my high and mightiness, you know. Does, kind of doesn't serve that's, me as that's, well. That's the Oklahoma coming out. <laughs> but so. uh, I think that it'll be great to see him there. He's, you know, when I say it's not like he's, uh, you know, Arnold Palmer at 85 trying to, you know, bunt it down the fairway. He's going to, he's going to look the part. I just don't think with all that is wrong with his game right now to see him come out and contend and, you know, shoot under par scores all four days. I just don't get your hopes up, folks. That's the emotional hedge. You you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. So. <laughs> He's gonna win. <laughs> well, well, talk, let's talk format changes, JTL. And so, you know, one of the things that came out this past week is that they're going to have golfers going off on both the first tee and the tenth tee. Uh, given the fact that we're playing in November for the first time, uh, you know, daylight saving times, uh, daylight savings time. I should I say. I saw two hours less daylight. In. Yes. Day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were we were finishing up at five o'clock, four forty-five ish, and uh, we had about forty-five minutes left of of sunlight there. And by the time we'd finished from the 19th hole, uh, it was dark uh, heading over here to the studio to record this pod. Uh, but first hole, 10th hole, we got groups going off on both. Right. Obviously 10, 11, 12, it's 
kind of a difficult way to start around at the uh, at the Masters, right? So y- your thoughts on, uh, is this going to have any effect on golfers uh, if they start off on 10 as opposed to starting off on number one uh, as we're so accustomed to at Augusta? I think the off-the-cuff reaction is how could it not because while number one is actually a very difficult hole at Augusta, Two is a reachable par five. Three is actually a very short par four that a lot of uh, guys drive it up there close, kind of hit a little flip wedge and and make some birdies. However, I'm going to go a little bit of a a contrarian take in terms of how much of a disadvantage it is. I mean, clearly getting off to a good start in any golf round gives you a lot of confidence, kind of feeling good. Ultimately, I think... In this case, everybody does have to play the same 18 holes. And, you know, these guys, golfers more than anybody, in my opinion, are very mentally tough. They have to kind of stay within themselves, literally take things one shot at a time. It's, it's hard for us as recreational golfers to think about that because uh, we hit a bad shot and we think it's never going to come back. We make a birdie and we think we're never going to have a bad hole again. These guys really do live one shot at a time, and so I don't think it'll have as big of an effect as you would think. Being that, to your point, 10, 11, and 12 are difficult holes, especially number 11. I mean, that uh, I, I think arguably the hardest hole in the golf course that if you walk off of there with a par, you're very, very happy. Same thing with 12, even though it's such a short hole, being a little 150-yard par 3. But I don't think it's as big of a disadvantage on Thursday and Friday because these guys know that so much happens over four rounds. Thursday and Friday, you know, everybody's going to start off 10 one day. Everybody's going to start off one one day. I think the round that it might have more of an effect from what I understand because of having to fit into a little bit tighter window on Sunday wanting to be done before their NFL games start that afternoon, I think they're going to have to go 1-10 and 10 on Sunday even with twosomes. Wow. So, you know, it's not as big of a deal there because they're just going to start the non-leaders on 10 and 11. But, you know, a lot of times the Masters, folks can make charges. It's going to be a lot harder to make a charge being kind of middle of the pack if you're starting on 10. So that's something that will be interesting to see if anybody who um, starts in that, you know, know, typically at the Masters, we're going to say 55-ish guys make the cut. To see if any of those guys that are 30 to 55 coming into Sunday can make a charge since they are having to start on 10. But I I would say overall it's not going to be as big a disadvantage as you would think because of everybody having to do it once and these guys are so good at the one-shot-at-a-time mentality. Well, you mentioned something there about a Sunday afternoon uh, leading up to football uh, from a CBS broadcast standpoint, Jay Till, you know, kind of mixing two things that you and I both really, really love and are super, super passionate about. But the news broke earlier this week, or I guess late last week, is that ESPN's College Game Day is actually going to be at Augusta on Saturday on the on the third round for the Masters. Uh, kind of a, you know, obviously we've never had the Masters in November, right? So we never had it during football season. But in this crazy COVID 2020 year where everything's been rearranged and rescheduled, rearranged and rescheduled, I should say, kind of a weird confluence of events, but I'm not necessarily against it, right? So your thoughts on College Game Day coming to Augusta and broadcasting live there on Saturday morning, uh, kind of cool or kind of a stupid gimmick? Your your thoughts on this, bud? 
Well, it'll be interesting. We maybe will have a little bit of back and forth here. You know, while we do put a little bit of prep into these pods and kind of have an outline, what are we going to talk about? We don't necessarily give each other our takes leading into it. I hate this, frankly. <laughs> I, love I, I mean, there's, you said, is it cool? Is it gimmicky? You didn't give me a third option. Do you hate it? And I hate it. The mat is nothing sacred. I mean, we're going to oh. bring college game day. Up, up on the mountaintop Lee here. Lee Corso in, putting on a freaking mascot head Now, to, in his defense, Coach Corso has been, he's been doing the broadcast from, from remotely, I think from his house, due to the, the COVID stuff. I, think. I don't think he has, he hasn't made quite as many of the the live broadcast, I think, Jay Till. Look, don't interrupt, don't, don't mess with my flow here, Okay. <laughs> We got Herbie bringing his kids on set. We got Lee Corso putting on a tiger head, which, I mean, if we're, if we're picking tiger, I guess that's kind of cool. But don't, you know, there's folks in Norman, as, uh, as uh, you kind of, let's keep Norman weird, as we like to call it. They have a saying called, don't Edmund, my Norman, not to alienate our Norman <laughs> listeners. Don't, you know, don't college football my masters. You're right. I love college football. Every weekend, ride or die with my Sooners. I'm into it. I know what's going on. Augusta is the only pure thing left in this world, and we're going to mess it around. We're going to mash it up like it's some sort of you know YouTube video by bringing in college game day. I absolutely hate it. I don't understand why we need to do it. And frankly, it's a little disturbing and so I'm I'm totally against it, and I'm curious to hear you. Know, you sounds like you were kind of lean. You're leaning in in your intro there. So I know that I, I I'm interested to see from a take oh. of not as much of a purist as I am. Grandpa Teal here, get off my lawn. So you young whippersnappers, right? So I I, I don't really care one way or the other. I'm I'm probably going to tune in and watch it. Now I'll say. As I've gotten older, J. Till, I don't watch game day nearly as much as I did whenever we were in college. Right. Uh, and a lot of that Same is, here. you know, I'm, I'm a big English soccer fan, right? So you have those games, you know, the mid-morning games on Saturday uh, morning there, watching my hapless Manchester United try to struggle through yeah, well, a, another another nil nil draw. Kid stuff yeah, on Saturday yeah, mornings yeah. is like just not as much of a thing. It's I not. Get that. It's not as big a deal as it used to be. And maybe from a TV rating standpoint, maybe they're feeling that as well, right? Maybe they're they're thinking like, oh well, maybe we got to spice this stuff up, right? So let's let's try something weird. Let's try something new. And so the which I get, no, I get the novelty. Yeah, the novelty of it. I'll probably tune in and at least watch the first thirty minutes. It's like a total. But, I get why ESPN. He yeah, wants yeah, to do it. Yeah, why is it to me? Why is Augusta allowing it? Saying yes to it? You know, this is the first time ever. I mean, again, I'm, I'm probably, money would probably be the I got, uh, yeah, money. Uh, uh, be I the mean, the Masters has been a, <laughs> around a lot longer than the 40 years I've been on this earth. But this is the first time that I have ever thought, whoa, did Augusta like kind of bend to anybody's request? Up until now, it's like. Screw you guys. We're going to do what we want. We They went a year without having any sponsors. Like, no TV. Think about that, folks. Zero TV sponsors. We said, nah, we're good. We'll just air it without commercials. We're not even going to have any ad revenue. That's crazy. That's the level of power, money, whatever you want to call it, that Augusta has. And so influence. to go from that, influence, to go from that to we're going to basically bring kind of a modified kind of rock show on the grounds of Augusta. I, I was I was shocked, not happy, uh, going to taint the experience, in my opinion. 
Uh, there you have it. You want to? You want you? You put the question. <laughs> hot on, takes. You know, hot takes. I love it. Topic love it. four, letter C. That's my thought. Cool, gimmicky. Hate it. Well, well. Hopefully, a, a less controversial, maybe ancillary or tangential topic here to the Masters. J. Till is that you know, the Champions Dinner you is didn't still know this planned. Was be a two beer podcast. Did you? <laughs> well, we got to make up for last week, right? So. Um, <laughs> You know, Champions Dinner still scheduled as of now. So obviously, Big Cat's going to be hosting that, sure, and uh, sure. you know the menu, whatever goes into that crap, of steak or what, I don't care. Uh, but big ahi know, tuna guy. One, yeah, the one cat. one of the things that I have to ask you, Jay Till, and again, I I, I preface preface this by going into it. It may be less controversial uh, than College Game Day coming to the Masters, but the question I have to ask: Pimento cheese, overrated. I think so. I think it's nasty, J. Dill. So maybe I'm out on a limb this, here. Maybe this, I'm in the minority, no, but I no, hate no, that no. stuff. This is where, where I can reach across the aisle. Absolutely overrated. Frankly, of all things that the Masters does that resonate with my childhood, my grand, one of my grandmothers loved pimento cheese sandwiches. Same here. And yeah, I so it's did like an old person thing, understand right? it. Oh, it God, seems like the oldest of oh, old person things. So gross. And it was it had to come about from like the depression or like we had to do so we had to put gross things together to survive or something. Oh, so I, gross. But yes, I would say not only is it overrated, I don't understand. This is a big however moment of the podcast last year at chalk for the 2019 masters they did these pimento grilled cheese sandwiches it totally changed my paradigm on pimento cheese now i'm all in on pimento cheese but only at chalk on masters week and that's not like a oh great segue that's our sponsor that's legitimate i love the things i mean i i had them as kind of like oh i'll try them it's masters week wow I was all in on the pimento cheese, uh, uh, grilled cheese sandwich. If you get it grilled and you, you get a little bit of milk to it, it's, it's normally a texture thing, right? It's, it's usually got cold. It, yeah, exactly. It's kind of lumpy. And that's not good. It's it's, and and it's Ben, ben uh, Mason in, in the, uh, the the kitchen crew at Shock, they can take anything and turn it into a masterpiece. So you got to give those guys some love. Their creativity from a food standpoint is just unmatched, unparalleled. Uh, yeah. for, I mean, you think about it, it's a sports bar, right? And we love it because it's a sports bar, but their kitchen is something beyond oh, a told, normal sports oh, bar. It's, so it, it's, it's high-level stuff. Yeah, yeah. So so I, that doesn't shock me that those guys can take something as nasty so and lumpy as pimento cheese and make it work. On the whole, totally overrated. Preparation H, on the whole. In fact, it's not. It's more. It's, it's, it's like is. not overrated. It's like, why is it even a thing? Yet, at Chalk, last week, and again, yeah, Tiger won. There was a whole... I was on cloud nine, but that was... Yeah, you, had some, you probably had some beverages. There were some beverages in you at that point. Yeah, yeah. I, I so we're gonna we're gonna give it kind of categorically. Generally speaking, way overrated. If you go to chalk, you don't have them. You're a fool. I I agree. So I mean, any anything on the menu at chalk is going to be good. So that that doesn't shock me at all. Are well, you surprised about the Champions Dinner going to still happen? Out of all the things, like <sighs> you know, you're getting you're a lot of old people there. You're getting them together. I mean, it scares me a little bit, to be honest with you. I mean, I, it scares me from the standpoint of I don't want any bad things to happen to where the tournament might might get derailed well, yeah, on okay. Saturday, like, right on Friday. All the past champions like, yeah. aren't playing any. Like, if you're not playing, okay, have your champions dinner. But, I mean, Tiger is having to host the thing. 
I don't know. Like that's not. I guess we don't have to go on the. COVID I just, I just hole, don't but. want. I don't want anything to happen that would derail the tournament on Friday evening, Saturday, or, or whatever it may be. So yeah, that that spooks me a little yeah. bit. Maybe, I'm going to maybe even to that, get to go. I, yeah, you're having to get, take a test, and yeah, so everybody's yeah. clear. I assume and that cool. that's, yeah, everybody's going to be yeah. tested, and the protocols are going to be really, really stringent and really, really strict. Uh, and, and it's going to be you know just just the the guys there uh, that need to be there, so to speak, right? So, uh, but yeah, I, I was somewhat surprised, uh, but but it is a really cool tradition. And so long as those guys are going into it, eyes wide open, and they they put forth all the proper procedures and protocols, do what they need to do to scrub things up and make sure it's clean going into it, then, um, yeah, kind of, a, a again, just a, a tradition unlike any other, right? Yeah, I hope absolutely. it's copyright infringement. I don't, I don't want to get sued by saying that, but, um, but uh, those guys. We'll, 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 we'll edit caving, that out. They're caving to college game day. You we'll edit that out take on our lawyers? I don't think so. I'm not making any money off this, so I guess I could say it right. <laughs> so, well, well JT, we're, we're up against the hour here, and so, you know, let's, let's get into... Again, kind of just the teaser. We'll just leave it tease. here. Just a little tease. We'll leave it here before we move on to the Houston Open picks. Favorite, uh, I, I guess maybe past moments, favorite hole, most memorable shot. Again, I don't I don't want to step on what we're going to be doing next week, bud, but your first master's memory growing up, the first thing you can kind of recall watching this incredible tournament, again, usually in April, uh, but uh, this year in November, your first master's memory, bud. Yeah, my first Masters memory would have been the 1994 Masters, which uh, somewhat, I don't know, uh, insignificant in terms of overall Masters history. But that would have been the year that uh, I want to say Jose Maria Olatabo was our champion. Uh, made a, a really good run on Sunday. That was the first year that I could remember watching it and maybe caring uh, about who who won. That would be my first Masters memory if I can, I mean, I can visualize watching the tournament and, and him winning. Uh, quite a bit more pronounced uh, would have been a couple years later in 1996, the one that if you're a golf fan at all and you're at least – probably 35 years old. You remember Greg Norman going into the Sunday of the 96 Masters with a six-stroke lead and completely lighting himself on fire. I want to say there was an 11-shot swing where Faldo ended up winning by five. Just completely terrible. Uh, If you guys are, uh, as you get closer to Masters Week and you want to listen to something that's kind of cool, there's a No Laying Up podcast that talks about the all-time greatest collapses and they do a great, really insider's look at that collapse of Norman in 96. So while that wasn't my first memory, definitely a very pronounced memory um, of the 96. Yeah, well, that, that's that's mine. 96, that's Masters, uh, Greg Norman, who was arguably one of the most, uh, I don't know if he was most popular or maybe the most marketable, or the shark, right? So the Australian accent. I, I would the say hat. all those things. Yeah, he had I would the say hat, most he had popular, the gear. Most so, marketable. Yeah, yeah. He was number one in the yep, world. Yep. He hit it. He was the he was the guy before Tiger that hit it, hit it a long ways, you know, that mm-hmm. everybody seems to love. But, uh, yeah, I think that uh, 96 is one that everyone remembers even though it wasn't my first memory, certainly a pronounced memory. Sounds like that was the same way. Uh, yeah, I think you. it would have been, what, 14? I would have been 14 watching it on a Sunday and knowing that, hey, look, this guy's super popular. They call him the shark, right? He's really, really cool. We're going to tune in and watch this. And to have such a big lead and then just watch it melt away so quickly. Uh, and, again, the uh, the collapse was just 
Uh, I mean, it's epic, right? So we, we still talk about it uh, as if it was yesterday today. I mean, uh, it's ingrained in so many uh, golf fans' memory uh, from that standpoint. But, uh, yeah, that that's definitely the one that stands out to me. I, I, I was probably a late bloomer into golf. I was probably, you know, 12, 13, 14 before I really started getting into it and started playing. And so uh, that was the, definitely an indelible moment. Uh, uh, from a master's memory, uh, from my standpoint, was that uh, collapse by Greg Norman. But um, you, you want to go favorite hole at Augusta, or you want to go most memorable shot, J. Till? So, in you, your memory is encyclopedic uh, yeah. in that standpoint. So, I'm not even going to try to compete with you on that. You have so many uh, to kind of go through here, yeah, but to, let, I'll let you pick. Save, let's save favorite hole for our last uh, topic to give me a little more time because that, that's a hard thing. I was like. It's, it's more than choosing among, like, uh, what's your favorite kid? There, 18 children, 18 right? How do you pick one? Yeah. Yeah. Most memorable shot is an easy one. A 2005 Tiger, a long left of number 16, where he chips it up on the bank and it rolls down very, very slowly, takes a quick pause so you can see the Nike logo, and then it drops in the hole Vern Lundquist saying, in your life, have you ever seen anything like that? I mean, I I literally, and I really have been working hard over the past five or six years on not being um, prone to hyperbole or exaggerating. I jumped off the couch. I guess I first jumped up on the couch and then off the couch when that ball went in. Easily the most memorable master shot from all the years that I've been watching the Masters. Uh, I'm sure that's a by far and away a popular one. You've seen that a bajillion times on TV, but even though it is such a um, prevalent one in people's minds, I, I can't not say 16, 2005, uh, Tiger chipping in would be my most memorable shot. Um, that no, that, that's that's definitely one that uh, will go. in the awkward high five. Uh, oh, my with the, gosh, with the caddy the afterwards. Worst high oh, five. yeah. It was, it was such a cool moment. And then to see it marred by such a weird, awkward, nerdy high five afterwards. That's right? the great so, thing about the yeah. uh, like the jump up chest bump now. Like, you can't mess that up. High fives, <laughs> you can miss, right? You do the jump up chest bump, no matter what, you look normal doing that now. Just, just screw the high fives, folks. Just, just chest bump it. Well, mine, mine would be a shot by Phil Mickelson, lefty, right? And, and I want to say, was it, is it 15? What's, uh, the, what's the last 13? 13. The par five. Uh, he, he's over in the pine straw yep. on the right. Oh, man. Uh, the second shot, just a crazy iron yeah. hook shot onto the green. I, I want to say he ends up missing the putt right after that, right? Yeah, well, he that, that was like eight of, feet for eagle and then misses the putt. But yeah, it ends up matter. making birdie. That's how great yeah. of a shot yeah. it was. Yeah, it was just an incredible shot uh, from over, uh, it really in jail, right? And to get it, Absolute not jail. just to get it on the greens, one thing, but to knock it within eight feet was just one of the uh, the most incredible shots I can recall uh, there there at the Masters. But that's the one that kind of jumps out to me. And again, he he ends up missing the putt afterwards, but makes birdie and uh, and kind of moves on from there. But that that was a great shot there. But a favorite hole, J. Till. Again, I know it's difficult to pick. Uh, you you love all eighteen of them, man. But if you had to pick one, what would it be? Man, this is definitely one where you got to go through some honorable mentions. You know, leave some things on the cutting room floor. Um, 13 is definitely an honorable mention. You mentioned there Phil hitting that shot. It's one that if you hit a good drive, it's just the second shot over a – like you have a super um, – not an uphill lie, but a, above your feet lie, which promotes hitting it right to left. You really need to hit a left to right ball into that green. 
So many shots have ended up in bad shape. So many great shots have been pulled off. Thir- 13 is awesome. Uh, yeah, number 12, so many things have happened on that hole. Again, I mentioned earlier, just a tiny little par three. I mean, 155 yards, I think, is the actual yardage that they put on the scorecard. But so many guys uh, on Sunday have hit it in the water there when it's like, God, it's a 155-yard hole. Just, just, a, just blow it over that bunker. Such a, Who cares? A kind of a small green, small landing target there. So 12 yeah. is really cool. Um, you know, I think that for me, number 16 is probably – man, this is, a, this is a hard one, Keith. I could keep – I'm going to say 16. It's a par three, so it's a one-shotter, so there's a lot of memorable things there. It's a hole that – Certainly on Sunday lends itself pin to placement some drama. on the left, right? The they always, always put the, the pin on the left, so you kind of hit yeah, it up yeah, on the right, yeah. and you hope that it takes the hill down Falls there. Falls down to it, yeah. But yeah, whether it's Jack in '86 hitting it to Stone Dead, you know, two feet. I mentioned Tiger in 2005. I mean, heck, Tiger la- last year, 2019 was still last year. It right? was still like, technically last that's, decade, that's 2019. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's easy to forget that he hit it up on that slope, knocked it to about two feet to kind of slam the door. So I would say favorite hole is 16. It's late enough in the tournament that it's memorable. It's a, it's a classy looking golf hole. There's always a lot that happens there. So I won't, I won't get too woke on people and, um, and say that number three is probably actually my favorite hole, like short par four. There's a lot of intrigue there, but it's just not memorable, memorable enough for, to uh, to call it out since it's on the front nine, but uh, let's let's go with number sixteen as my favorite hole at Augusta. Uh, history, memorable, quality golf hole. Well, you talked about pretty much every hole, J T. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But eighteen, <laughs> and, and so it might might be a cop out, but but let me have eighteen and eighteen in the sense of just so many great memories, so much drama that goes into that final hole. Again, kind of the dogleg right, right? The long yep. par four the up shoot, the hill. The shoot off right, the tee box. Very intimidating, very cool. uh, intimidating tee shot, right? So kind of a, a relatively, what would seem to be a thin landing area there. But knowing full well that if you're standing on 18 on the 72nd hole and you have a lead, if you find the fairway, you've probably just won the Masters, right? But that yeah. tee shot is so intimidating. Man, it's tough. Uh, and a long iron shot coming back up the hill to that green there That uh, that's kind of a tricky green. Uh, and, and so I'll, I'll just say 18 from a cop-out standpoint, I guess, purely because of, of so many memories kind of coming into that hole in uh, the fact that it, it's such a challenging tee shot. But if you pull it off, you've probably done enough to win the Masters kind of come into that final hole. So cop out on me, but uh, give me 18. All right, nothing, prob- nothing to cop out at all about 18. I mean, that's a great hole. Uh, it's 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 a great hole from its strategic value from the times that you're not in the lead and you have to hit a good shot and then you've got to hit it on the green and make a birdie. Uh, certainly, as you mentioned, it's a fun hole to watch folks walk up 18 kind of triumphantly. There's a great amphitheater there, so... Absolutely not a cop-out. I can get behind the hole they, uh, I believe they named Holly as your favorite. No no qualms at all. Yeah, and I don't know the names of all the holes the way you do. I, I know some of them, but I don't know all of them. But, uh, yeah, kind of one of the fun parts of we'll the We'll save that uh, Masters, JT yeah. Masters quiz yeah. for next week. Trivia, trivia next week uh, as part of the part of the pod. But, uh, okay, so we'll stop there again. We don't want to step on all the fun stuff that we're going to be doing next week during the Super Mega Masters pod, JT. But let's talk about what's going to happen this weekend, bud. And we have to make some picks for the 
Houston Open uh, down at Memorial uh, at Houston. There, kind of, kind of a, a it used to be a municipal court. I think it still is, right? So, oh yeah, uh, right there, just west of downtown, close to Memorial Park. Uh, I, a course that I've actually played from my uh, oil and gas days back in the past. And so, uh, interesting that it's uh, hosting a PGA tournament. I know they put a ton of money into it a few years ago, probably uh, 15, uh, 18 million bucks, if I'm not mistaken. And so, uh, should be a lot of fun there. But um, if we rewind back a couple weeks ago. You won on Pickham, so your your pick of Justin Thomas was close enough to get you know he finished tied for second, but that was oh, enough I to play, kind of I, win. I, I absolutely uh, from a destroyed standpoint. the field from yep. a Pickham standpoint. Yeah. I, I, it was it was a total bloodbath. So we'll just leave that in the past. Let's look forward to Houston Memorial Park. You know we talked about it a couple weeks ago, I believe, in that this golf course has uh, not hosted the Houston Open in decades. Tom Doak, with the help of co-designer Brooks Kepka yeah. of all people, redid Memorial Park, a muni, very close to downtown Houston, and will, for the foreseeable future, host the Houston Open in lieu of uh, Golf Club of Houston out in Humble. So, yeah, we're looking forward. I'm excited about watching it. Anytime a Tom Doak course is featured, you got my attention. So, Let's pick them, baby. Yeah, a few years ago, it was uh, it was at the TPC Woodland, so it's only appropriate that the Houston Open is actually held in the city limits of Houston, right? So that kind of makes sense. So I'm, I'm glad glad that they're moving it to the Memorial, uh, closer to downtown, and again uh, have have been through that park on, on countless uh, occasions in the past over the last 20 years. But against your box, JTL, so let, give me a two, three, four golfer, not necessarily the guy that you think is going to win it, but uh, a couple guys that are going to be there on Sunday afternoon with a chance. Uh, that uh, our listeners might take a punt on on this point. But uh, give me your two, three, four, bud. Well, I really think that a lot of prognosticators out there and probably all sports, but specifically golf, feel like they have to do a little jumping around. Well, I picked this guy last week. The the listeners want to hear something different. Not me. I want our listeners to feel confident in their picks. So why not pick the guys that I feel most confident about? And Sung J M, Hung J, as I like to call him, has produced for me all year. I'm sticking with him in my number two spot, plus 3,100, 31 to one. He's going to play great. He's going to top 10, top 15, no problem. He's been somebody I'm riding with all of 2020. A late addition to the JT Express is definitely our man, Lord Tyrell Hatton, playing great. He's plus 1,600, 16 to 1. I think he's uh, maybe uh, the second odds on favorite to uh, to win this week. Why not continue to ride with him in my number three spot? Uh, he should certainly play well at a course that is known for it, uh, his generous fairways uh, and requires great approach play. So T-Rail Hatton in my three spot. A guy that I've been flirting with for several weeks, I think that uh, certainly is a Bomber, not sure how the bomber, you know, a course that hasn't been, uh, an event hasn't been played at in a long time. It's hard to know exactly who it's going to favor. Seemingly everywhere these days favors the bombers. Lonto Griffin, my man, he's 40 to one. So I'm giving he's done a really good job at the, uh, the Mandalorian as well. Right. So it's a Star Wars character. <laughs> a little bit right? of a Star Lando, Wars Lando, name, yeah, uh, yeah. Lonto, not to be, not to be confused with Lando, Lando Calrissian. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, you're going to love it. If you tune in this weekend, you're going to love his shoe game. Let me point you to his shoes. What better reason to pick a guy than what his footwear looks like? So my four spot, Lonto Griffin. So I'm going two, Hung Jay, no surprise. I'm going three, the uh, the late and ready, T. 
Tyrell Hatton, and I'm going Lanto in my four spot uh, at uh, 40 to one. Feel really good about two, three, four this week. We, we're trimming it down. You guys may notice we're going from we're going from six picks to five. We're gonna trim things. But those are my two, three, fours. Book them, baby. Yeah, absolutely. Like those picks. Like the Sung Jay pick again. That, that guy's just been super consistent uh, since the restart. So so like that pick a lot. Well, give me my two, three, four. Give me Zach Johnson at plus fifty five hundred. Fifty five to one. Very uh, former, interesting. Former Masters winner, right? So he he tends to get geared up. Okay, and again, talk not me a, through it. Talk me a, through not it. Not a super sexy game. Not a big bomber, but the guy is uber consistent with his iron play. You know, gets around. Uh, you know, hit fairways and greens, man. Yeah, and so there, there I, may be a, a post wrap uh, discussion and wager on Zach Johnson okay. after we're done. Right. I, I, a very interesting pick. I, right. I don't see it, but I, I like where you're going. 55 like to one, 55 to one. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, the odds makers enough, don't necessarily enough, see it enough. either. So, but, uh, give me Zach Johnson to be there on Sunday afternoon to maybe make some noise. Uh, number three, give me a uh, Hideki Matsuyama, uh, 20 to one plus 2000 there. Uh, you, you've, you've talked about it in the past, JT, if this guy could make a putt, uh, he would, he would probably Absolutely. be a lot, a lot to shorter Absolutely. odds on that front. But, uh, I think he's going to play well. Again, he's he's played pretty consistently off the tee uh, and from the fairway, but again, it can make some more putts. He It wouldn't shock me if he makes a few putts uh, that uh, he'll be there on Sunday afternoon and might actually have a chance to win this thing. And then number four, again, maybe a, a, a sentimental pick. I don't know, although he's played really, really well uh, over the last couple months. I would absolutely uh, not Sink. call Stewie sentimental yeah. anymore. He um, is gaming, baby. Oh, oh tan line. Uh, love, love the guy, <laughs> man. So uh, as Mr. a bald man myself, I love the hat <laughs> tan. Uh, but at 90 to 1, plus 9,000, I think you're getting some good odds there. Again, he he finished, uh, I think, I think fourth, I think tied for fourth uh, at the uh, Bermuda this past weekend. So Unreal, uh, has, has been playing some g- pretty good golf here. And again, kind of a uh, uh, sneaking around, uh, not quite on most people's radar, but at ninety to one, I like those odds. I uh, like the uh, the numbers you're getting there. So Stewie Sink is my four hole guy this week. But let's go dark horse pick J T. And again, for our listeners, remember that's a hundred to one or more greater odds, uh, plus ten thousand or more on the uh, on the odds from a dark horse standpoint. But who do you got in that dark horse slot this weekend, bud? Well, I don't know if you remember what I told you a few weeks ago, but my biggest advice on wagering is. Pick guys that you want to root for. Pick guys that you want to hang out with. I think that uh, this guy certainly fits the bill there. Uh, Max Homa, somebody who's very lively on Twitter, kind of become known for roasting people's swings. They'll send him a video of their swing, and he'll say something funny about it. Very entertaining out there on social media. I've seen him a lot in the uh, No Laying Up video series. Uh, Just seems like a, a great hang. He's right at 101 uh, plus 10,000. He's been playing some okay golf. He's somebody who's super talented. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little bit of a flyer on our on our man Maxwell Homa at plus 10,000 to be my dark horse for this week down at Memorial Park. Okay, well, I'm going to take a guy that's right on the line as well at plus 10,000, 100 to one. Uh, give me Ollie Shenanigans. J.J. Till, so uh, I, I very, think that's right, right? Man, so. for such a guy who prides himself on pronunciation, 
Ollie Schneider Jans, yeah. I believe, is who you're looking yeah, for. Shenanigans. Yeah. That's my guy. No, uh, hey, uh, fun fun name. The guy makes the all name team, Schneider Jans. Um, he finished third this past weekend at the Bermuda. And so, kind of riding the hot hand there, played some good golf uh, down there, finished uh, just two strokes behind uh, the uh, the playoff, right? I feel like Brian that Gay may be a little Clark, bit of a, so. like an aspirational jealousy pick. Ollie Schneider Jans, a great head of lettuce. He doesn't wear a cap out there. Maybe, are you seeing him and you're like, oh, man, I really, this guy. I, I, I want to be him. I, women want to be him. Men want to be with him. What's the story? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. So, no, no, no. I, I, I left my, my, my hair game uh, started eluding me. I started going gray whenever I was 16, J. Till. So, <laughs> and this is no lie. I can, I can have my parents. Uh, I can have other high school you know, friends that can attest to this. And so I got made fun of from a hair standpoint at a very young age. And then it eventually started falling out uh, in the early 30s. Well, and and now I just I keep it high and tight, baby. So just just shave it off. And uh, uh, but my wife says I have a very symmetrical head. Oh, absolutely. So I can pull it off, right? So I, would, I got a I got I got a nice melon. I would there, corroborate so, corroborate yeah, that. Yeah, I will yeah. say, you know, if you want to live vicariously through somebody, Ollie's your guy. Okay, one of the few guys on tour that goes. Just another a hat reason sponsor. to pick him. Just another reason to pick you, him. You're so, on to something here. I didn't even know it. Hundred to one again. Finished third this past weekend. Just missed the playoff by a couple of strokes. So I'll be close. I, I'll, I'll play the hot a hand. Close eye on our man. I'll play uh, the hot hand. So well, well, let's go. Who's going to win this thing, J. Till? So the Houston Open uh, again, kind of a, a, the traditional lead into the Masters. Even in this weird COVID year, you know where everything's been pushed back to November. Still, the tournament that's going to lead into the Masters. Who's going to win this thing down at Memorial Park? This weekend, bud. Normally, I'm pretty, I would say, conservative or predictable with my winners. I mean, I'm not going to pick somebody that nobody's ever heard of. Certainly, going to pick people that are in form. Uh, but this week, I am going to pick somebody who I picked to win a few weeks ago and got totally coroned, got vitted. Ronad, whatever whatever your term is yeah, like for this two days after hell we recorded the pod, we are living in. But our man Tony Finau is going to win this week in Houston. I called him out a few weeks ago, said he was going to be in the winner's circle. Immediately, he uh, contracted COVID, had to sit out for a couple weeks. You hate to see it. It's got to mean there's a storybook ending for him. I mentioned the curse of Puerto Rico. He's one Puerto Rico, no one who has won that tournament has ever won another PGA Tour event. This is the week. The streak is broken. He wins this week, and he top fives at Augusta. Boom, championship November for Tony Finau. Book it, folks. It's going to happen. Well, I was going to say, if he doesn't win this week, I like him to finish in the top 10 next week because he's always a guy that's uh, in the major championships kind of shows up. I and, also uh, like yeah, him if he yeah. withdraws this week to come to my house and cut off you know, appendages. Yeah, well, I mean, that's part of it as well. Fair so, enough. Yeah. Well, give me the handsome, the debonair, the dreamy Adam Scott at Ooh, plus 2,600. 26 to 1. Just a, just a handsome His guy. His middle name has to be sexy. Yeah. Oh, oh you talked about, you know, our guy, Ollie uh, Schneider Shans uh, with a head of hair, right? So, I mean, maybe maybe there's a little bit more of that uh, with me, with Adam Scott. I mean, Scott, if we could be right? honest, so if I could only devil, pick one person devil. to be in life, it would be Adam Scott. Yeah. So, and again, former, I mean, he's one of Masters, right? He has so one I'm of not mistaken. So, Absolutely. Uh, I, I like those odds at 26 to 1. I like uh, kind of having some some good vibes, some good juju leading into the Masters. I like uh, Probably going to play well like this weekend down in Houston. And so, at 26 to 1, I like those odds. 
Give me Adam Scott, the, uh, the dreamy, dreamy. The, uh, we, I'll over. sell it to you. Yeah, we, we can make a deal after this post pod. So uh, that's my pick. So, well, Jay Till, again, we're, we're, we're at an hour and 20 minutes now. And we had to make up for last week, right? Well, yeah, so we, we got to get the over listeners. two pods, yeah, yeah, you know, that's only like 40 minutes each. So, you know, we're well within our so time. So we, we want to be accountable from a total, be total time standpoint for our listeners out there. So I appreciate you going into overtime with me here on this Tuesday evening. When Got to give people what they're paying for. It's 7.30 <laughs> on a Tuesday night on November 3rd. It's not like there's anything else going on that people would be intrigued by, right? So I, I first mean, what, Tuesday uh, yeah. every four years. Nothing yeah, what, what, what else are we going to be yeah, doing on the first Tuesday? Tuesday? Yeah, yeah. So, well, again, I think that does it for this pod, brother. And so all that's left now is we're going to schedule the tee times for this week. And, again, we just played today, so we'll probably get out there at least one, once, once one more in. this week. Have this 70s weather, it's not going to last forever, folks. First week in November, the weather is great here in Oklahoma, so we will probably get at least 36 more holes in this week if I had to guess. But for our listeners out there, Jay Till, how can they follow you, man? How can they get at you? Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the whole nine yards, brother. How can we get in touch with you? Yeah, best place at Jonathan Teal, J O H N A T H A N Teal, all one word. That is where I have been uh, much more prolific over the last few weeks in talking golf and uh, trying to fire out some nice nuggets. So at Jonathan Teal is where you're going to find those tweets, and those will only continue to uh, accelerate as we head towards Georgia, down Magnolia Lane to that idyllic clubhouse known as Augusta National Golf Club. Yep. I'm stoked. If you're going to get out there and follow Jay Till, this is the this is the week to do it, gang. Because I'm telling you, his his musings, his uh, uh, little tidbits leading into the Masters, and probably during Masters week. I mean, you're going to be like 24 uh, seven straight uh, Twitter mode on that front. So uh, be be following him. Lots of good info. Lots of fun stuff to follow on that front. So well, again, I appreciate you being in studio with me again, brother. Uh, obviously, last week was kind of a weird week with all the power outages and the ice storm, but we're back in the saddle, and it feels so good. Uh, to be reunited on that front. And so while this will wrap it up for this episode, gang, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going and to also keep up with everything we're doing over at the Sports Pros Network, check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros or now on Instagram at fantasysportspros. And remember, that's pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. Take care, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. And as always, hit them straight out there. (laughs) 